But U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says his country would, quote, take action if China used force against Taiwan. Speaking at a forum hosted by the New York Times, Blinken said that not only the U.S., but many other countries would take action as well. However, he did not give specifics on how the U.S. would respond. We have commitments, long-standing commitments, under the Taiwan Relations Act to make sure that Taiwan has the ability to defend itself. At a forum hosted by the New York Times, Blinken spoke again about cross-strait tensions. He reiterated that the U.S. will ensure Taiwan has the ability to defend itself. He also said that if Taiwan were in trouble, the U.S. would, quote, take action. I think it's fair to say that um, we're, we're not alone in this determination to make sure that uh, we preserve uh, peace and stability uh, in that part of the world. There are many countries, both in the region and beyond, uh, that would see any unilateral action uh, to use force to disrupt the status quo as a significant threat to peace and security, uh, and they too uh, would, uh, would take action in the event uh, that that happened. Blinken did not specify the sort of action he was referring to. His remarks came amid a fresh spike in military tensions in the Taiwan Strait. On Tuesday evening, a U.S. congressional delegation flew into Taiwan by military plane, inciting anger from Beijing. Not only did the PLA conduct large-scale exercises near Taiwan, it also sent 12 warplanes into the island's air defense zone over Tuesday and Wednesday. Chinese officials have repeatedly denounced the visit. The clumsy show of a handful of Taiwan independence elements and foreign politicians cannot change the unbreakable landscape where 180 countries in the world are committed to the one China principle. All adventurous and provocative moves to confront the trend of China's reunification is like an ant trying to topple a giant tree and will end up in failure. These are not uncommon. Um, this is the second one this year alone. Um, and uh, I'll let the Chinese speak for their exercises and their training. Uh, what we're focused on is uh, continuing to support the One China policy in accordance with the Taiwan Relations Act. The Pentagon weighed in on this week's flare-up of Chinese aggression. On tour in Japan, the U.S.'s top diplomat for East Asia accepted an interview with NHK, in which he expressed solidarity with Taiwan. We are concerned by several provocative steps that China has carried out designed to increase uh, pressure and coercion vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, Taiwan. We intend to carry out our obligations under the Taiwan Relations Act to assist Taiwan in maintaining a credible self-defense. Top officials staked out the U.S. position as Taiwan continues to become a global flashpoint. A U.S. congressional delegation left Taiwan Thursday evening, roughly 48 hours after their arrival. Earlier in the day, they paid a call at TSMC's facility in Shinzu. They took a lunch break, uh, lunch break at Shinzu's Confucius Temple, where Shinzu's mayor hosted a banquet in their honor. And let's hear from him. Thanks to the United States for speaking out for Taiwan all this time. Because of you, Taiwan is not alone and our democracy is stronger. I think our presence speaks for itself when we consider the importance of uh, of Taiwan to not only the region but to the United States and to the rest of the world. It is a long way to travel. We've had a lot of really important meetings. And the fact that you came is really a great expression of the attention and interest 
that the Congress has in issues related to Taiwan. During their stay, the 13-member congressional delegation was received at the presidential office. Sources said they exchanged views with the president on the status of Taiwan's self-defense capabilities and the Taiwan-U.S. regional security cooperation. The group also visited the Ministry of National Defense, where they were received by Minister Cho Guozhen. There's a little more than one month to go before the 4-in-1 referendum. At a DPP event, people from different ethnic groups called for a no vote on all four ballots. Uh, the same call came from the Taiwan State Building Party as it got out the vote on the streets of Taipei. They tell voters to cast four no's. The Taiwan State Building Party is in Wanhua District to sweep the streets and campaign for the referendum. They plan to hold 1,500 campaign events nationwide. Screenwriter Neil Peng made an appearance at this one. In the wake of the malicious recall vote, we stand undefeated. We will continue to stand as we head toward the December referendum. Taiwan needs to tackle the manipulative referendum issues that the KMT has put forward, which pose a threat to democracy. When I was in the U.S., I ate a great deal of U.S. pork. If there really is a problem with U.S. pork, then I would be in a much worse state than everyone else. Do I have any problems? I think I would know, and I think you all know the answer, too. As the Taiwan State Building Party campaigned on the streets, the DPP held a press conference alongside a group of indigenous people, Hakka people and immigrants. They urged the public to vote against all four propositions. Taiwan-U.S. relations are at their best ever, and we are at a critical juncture. If we don't want the progress to be undone, if we don't want to bet all our chips, our political and economic chips, on China, then we must do our utmost to develop ties with countries from all over the world. Whenever I talk with an indigenous person, I ask them what they think about activating the fourth nuclear power plant. Let me tell you, not a single indigenous person is in favor of that. The residents of Orchid Island say nuclear waste is an evil spirit, a nightmare they can't shake off. From the Green Camp, it's a resounding chorus of no's to the four referendum questions. In contrast, the KMT is appearing less united. New Taipei Mayor Ho Yi and Ilan Commissioner Lin Zimiao have expressed a position to activating the fourth nuclear power plant. At the Legislative Yuan, KMT Chairman Eric Chu spoke about the divisions in his party. I know that lawmaker Lin Weizhou has expressed his views. We respect differing opinions. Actually, the goal of our party is very clear. We want yes votes to all four referendum questions. However, I want to emphasize once again that two of the questions were proposed by our party. They are the question concerning pork containing rectopamine and the question on holding referendums with elections. We propose these referendum questions for the sake of our democracy. The two other questions were proposed by civic groups. We respect them and will offer our assistance and support. Of course, we will respect different views on these questions. The December referendum is seen as a bellwether to the 2022 local elections. Ahead of this critical test, Taiwan's political parties are racing to carve out an appeal to voters. Well, the CCC has cut the hotel quarantine period from 10 days to 7 for holiday arrivals. The policy applies to travelers who land in Taiwan between December 14th and February 14th. They must have gotten fully vaccinated at least 14 days before their arrival. 
After spending seven days in a hotel or other quarantine facility, they must quarantine at home for seven days. If they are staying with family, their family, must, their family members must be fully vaccinated. The family must also take two rapid COVID tests during the home quarantine. Let's hear from the CCC. We have a new quarantine option, which is seven days at a quarantine hotel or quarantine center, followed by seven days of home quarantine. Since there is a possibility of breakthrough infection, the family members of arrivals will have to buy home use rapid tests on the third and seventh days of the home quarantine period. We will implement electronic fence tracking, health monitoring and visits. Any violations of our epidemic rules will be punished heavily. Centralized quarantine facilities will be made available to holiday travelers. Bookings will open next Tuesday at a cost of $1,500 per night. Travelers must stay one to a room and they may not choose the location of the facility. The CCC uh, says that after a booking is made, no refunds or modifications will be allowed. So a new park in Tofen City could mark the ruins of ancient kilns once working on the land. That's if local historians and artists succeed in their campaign to get the local cultural history recognized. The two kilns vanished over 100 years ago, but left fragments of ceramics and clay pottery across Miaoli. Historian Deng Shuhui of the Taiwan Pottery Culture Association and ceramicist Lin Reihua are campaigning to bring the ancient culture of Tofen back to life. Here, under the tracks of the high-speed rail, you can easily dig up pieces of pottery and clay bricks that are over 100 years old. This brick still reveals traces of glaze, proving the clay was fired in a kiln. But it takes a real expert to spot the value of these ruined fragments lying among the weeds. Two kilns operated here over a century ago, before being lost in the mists of time. Then, 20 years ago, artist Ling Reihua bought an old water jar. His attention was caught by its manufacturer's stamp. Lin was already a pottery expert, having set a Guinness World Record for the highest temperature stoked in a wood-fired kiln. Now, he set out to trace the origins of his jar. Its stamp is like a receipt seal. A hundred years ago, this was an important logo for an artistic creation because across Taiwan, they didn't have this whole issuing receipt seals thing. We've found the location of the earliest Hakka kiln in ceramic history. The two kilns are believed to have sat just 600 meters apart. In the present day, the ruins mostly lie beneath modern buildings. There's just one small spot left where the ruins are intact, a spot of public land belonging to Tofen City, earmarked for a park. We hope that before a park is made, we can use the most professional methods to clear it and do a visual imagery scene on the slopes and the pits and make it into a scenic park. The kilns are lost in the mists of time, but they left behind so many traces of the presence. Historians are hopeful these clues can be pieced together, inspiring future generations to imagine the culture and the creativity of those who went before. Taiwan has reopened its borders to Indonesian migrant workers effective immediately. The CCC made the announcement on Thursday earlier than widely expected. 
Migrant workers will be allowed to enter until December 14th before borders close again for two months. The employers of the migrant workers will need to pay for their quarantine stays and medical insurance. And these extra fees will come out to roughly $40,000 per worker. Employers will file entry applications for the migrant workers. For the purposes of this entry program, we have asked the Financial Supervisory Commission to work with other relevant units to create commercial medical insurance products. This is to ensure that after arrival, if a migrant worker tests positive, the fees will be handled by commercial insurance, which will be responsible for all related fees. Generally speaking, employers must purchase 500,000 anti in insurance coverage for each migrant worker prior to the worker's arrival. For now, only migrant workers from Indonesia will be allowed to enter. Talks are underway to reopen the border to workers from the Philippines, Vietnam and Thailand. Well, the impacts of climate change are worsening and countries worldwide are racing to adapt. Taiwan is among the nations trying to bring emissions to net zero by 2050. On Thursday, experts convened at a forum in Kaohsiung to explore ways to make industrial production greener. The event brought together specialists in power electronics and electrical engineering from both, um, and both the public and private sector. Vice Premier Shen Rongjing gave a keynote at an electrical engineering forum in Kaohsiung. He congratulated the city for attracting a major TSMC project with its reliable electricity. The world is racing to net zero, with more than 130 countries pledging to be carbon neutral by 2050. Taiwan is also committed to the 2050 deadline. A crucial step to reaching that goal is integrating industrial development with rising opportunities in energy. Electrification is a very important part of our journey toward net zero emissions. There's also the promotion of renewable energy resources as well as the electrification of all of our transportation. To achieve greener industrial production, creating a favorable policy climate is key. Another focus is on developing green energy opportunities and related businesses. In the future, when we talk about green energy, we'll be talking about power conversion, energy storage and so on. It will be about finding the combination that achieves the highest efficiency. The system's operations will involve all of these roles, so we need a neutral agency that ensures that the system's operations are stable and safer. At the forum, power specialists from businesses, the government and academia explored the latest in electrics R&D and applications with an eye on achieving a win-win of carbon reduction and business profitability. A job bank has released its list of Taiwan's best companies to work for. In the tech sector, top employers included TSMC and Honghai. Consumer brands like Mr. Donut, KFC and Momo Paradise also made the cut. According to a survey conducted by the job bank, salary is one of the most important components of workplace happiness. We have the details. 
At a Wednesday awards ceremony, a domestic job bank honored 300 of Taiwan's best companies to work for. Tech titans that made the list include Honghai, TSMC, ASML, and Chonghua Precision Test Technology. What makes a company a great place to work? Of course, the compensation structure matters. That goes without saying. Of course, there is also the work environment. Many people will consider whether the salary is above the market rate. According to a survey conducted by the job bank, the best employers offer the following: fixed salary adjustments, stable employment despite the pandemic, good upward mobility, and above-market wages. Two of this year's top employers, Guangyang Motor and ASML, have recently announced raises for staff. The company told me that the raise will be at least three percent. Not only are we guaranteed at least 14 months' salary plus our fixed five-month bonus. We also get an annual salary increase that's better than the industry standard. The survey also found that employees' favorite perks include the following: free meals, employee health checks, flexible work hours, birthday gifts, pandemic leave, profit sharing, and stock options. This year, another winner of the best companies distinction was the Taiwan Taoyuan International Airport. Here, the care shown to employees, as well as the compensation and various benefits, all exceed the requirements set by the labor standards. Act, and they don't lose out to all these other state-owned enterprises. And then there is one restaurant chain that's given a big guarantee to staff engaging with customers in a pandemic. It's promised employees that if they are infected, they'll receive lifelong support. The chairman has promised that if an employee is affected by the epidemic, the chairman will personally donate his salary to look after that employee for the rest of their lives. Since the start of the pandemic, many companies have felt the squeeze on their profits. Even so, many are going the extra mile to protect their employees by offering a range of benefits and a safe working environment. Well, let's head now to Taichung to meet a man whose life has been upturned by almost losing it—not once, but three times. After a surgical operation, Mr. Zhuang was in recovery when his real ordeal began. His heart began to beat irregularly, which can cause brain damage or death. His dedicated medical team were all hands on deck to save him. He's now on the mend, and after coming so close to the edge, life feels like a gift again. Mr. Zhuang walks down the corridor with a stick in one hand and his wife's hand in the other. He's steady on his feet and smiling broadly. I guess we'd all be if we'd come back from death's door three times. While I was on the bed, I could just about vaguely tell that my wife and child were outside. My family was outside, constantly calling to me, saying I must hang in there and not give up. Mr. Zhuang recounts his brush with death. The 51-year-old could hear his family calling to him and drew strength from the encouraging words of his medical team. Our attending physician gave me three electric shocks. He gave it everything. He didn't give up. He didn't let me go. During emergency care, the patient's heart did not show signs of what we'd call a heart attack. So it was a rather unusual kind of cardiac emergency. Mr. Zhuang had just emerged from an operation to remove the lymph nodes in his neck, as well as a tumor on his tongue. Then the arrhythmia of his heart began. The medical team administered CPR for the first arrhythmia and stabilized his vitals. But six hours later, it happened again. He was in ER for 50 minutes that time. Then again, a third arrhythmia and another hour in emergency care. At one point, doctors feared he might lose his brain function. 
My colleagues are all excellent at this high-quality CPR technique, so it seems that through it all, there was no point at which his brain was lacking oxygen. Mr. Drong also has a very strong will to live, which is why the final result is so perfect. It seems like Mr. Zhang's time in this life isn't up yet. He sent his medical team flowers to thank them for his fresh start. After an ordeal like that, life will never be the same again. A high-end restaurant group has defied market trends to open a new location in Taipei's exclusive East District. The eatery offers premium Wagyu beef from Japan, as well as refined food, uh, seafood hot pots full of ocean delicacies. They're hoping stimulus vouchers plus the retreat of COVID will pique uh, guests' appetites. A sliver of A5 Wagyu sizzles on the grill. It's cooked to perfection right beside the guest table. This seafood hot pot is only on sale in winter, and it's full of premium ingredients, including sea urchins and seaweed bibimbap. It's a classic Japanese osui, soup made with rice and stock. Despite the economic gloom, this restaurant group has opened a new outpost in Taipei's East District, hoping to tempt diners who are willing to splash big cash. In East District, there are still many customers with a lot of purchasing power. Since the pandemic settled down, people are willing to spend money. So we've chosen this time to open a location in the East District. This restaurant has half an eye on the red meat lovers and half an eye on hot pots. But with COVID fears to assuage, are these guests impressed? People are generally getting the vaccine now, but that doesn't mean everything's fine. I still tend to be a bit more careful and I feel a bit cautious. We've come out for dinner. I think it's not so bad, because it's actually quite far from our table to the next, the other diners. Many people still have reservations about eating in, but with the encouragement of the quintuple stimulus vouchers and foodies tired of moldering at home, this restaurant group has decided to bite the bullet and see if they can make the most of an economic upturn this fall. <laughs>